Previously, in part 1, of the Discerning Geeks Portal's favorite single episode TV stories. Favorite single episode story. Five to ten of them ranked, and then the rest could be honorable mentions. Season premieres and series premieres. Goosebumps, The Haunted Mask. The series premiere of Lost. Time travel and alternate dimensions. The Simpsons, Treehouse of Horror, Volume 6. The infamous Doctor Who, Don't Blink, for the Weeping Angels. Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Yesterday's Enterprise. My next three honorable mentions are all time loop episodes. The Travelers, Season 2 episode, 17 minutes. The Dark Matter Season 3 episode, All the Time in the World. Stargate SG-1, It's Window of Opportunity. Thriller episodes. My number two greatest episode of television ever, Game of Thrones, The Winds of Winter. Batman, the animated series, Heart of Ice. The next category is Human Condition. Could be alien life forms or creatures, robots, androids. Through allegorical storytelling. Two from Babylon 5, Confessions and Lamentations. Passing through Gethsemane. True Detective. Season 1 finale, Form and Void. Both from Star Trek Deep Space Nine Season 6, Far Beyond the Stars. In the Pale Moonlight, the greatest episode of television that has ever existed is the Twilight Zone episode, The Obsolete Man. Whoa, that's deep. I thought I'd make my appearance. From Alien Nation, first of the five TV movies, Dark Horizon. Cool episodes. Uh, number 6, Abe Simpson and his grumbling grandson in The Curse of the Flying Hellfish. I gave the guys the, the flexibility to just take an entire show and make that a category. I've got a Babylon 5 category. Deathwalker. No surrender, no retreat. The fall of Centauri Prime. Folks, we may be behind, but if you haven't caught it, we do have a, a podcast called The Discerning Lurkers Portal of Babylon 5 Podcast. So our last category in honorable mentions, that is finales. Season 1 finale of Babylon 5's Chrysalis. The last episode of Babylon 5, Sleeping in Light. Stargate Universe Gauntlet. The Tale of the Night Shift. And the show is are you afraid of the dark? And now, the conclusion. So we can go into our top fives, and now that there are three of us here, should we roll for initiative or or not be that nitpicky and just... Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay, sure. I got a 13. 17. 19. Oh, okay. Everybody's rolling hot tonight. Yeah. All right, so pressing, you go first with number five. All right, number five, I believe I already mentioned. It is True Detective, Form and Void. Some of Preston's top five choices are episodes he already talked about during honorable mentions. For details on those picks, check out part one of this conversation. Yeah, and, and that was the, the one with the near-death experience and the... the uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think it, he said some like religious exploration stuff. Yeah, it, it is. I, I totally recommend watching the whole season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my number five was The Orville, season two, episode six, A Happy Refrain. And this is the episode where the chief medical doctor, Claire, starts dating the chief science officer, Isaac. But the twist is that Isaac is an artificial life form. And he uh, doesn't understand humanity. He can't experience love. Uh, he doesn't have feelings of his own, uh, but they do start dating in this episode. And it's a cute episode. And there was a similar episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. I believe it was from season four, maybe season five, whichever season. I think it was the next to last episode, but it was called In Theory, in which Data dates somebody. 
and I think the act the actress was Michelle Scarabelli. I think uh, I might be mispronouncing the last name, but she is the same actress that played. Oh, I'm blanking on the character's name too. But the uh, the Mrs. Francisco from Alien Nation. But anyway, I think that this episode actually does a better job than In Theory does from from Next Generation. I think this one is very charming. It's got a great quirky ending. It's got a, such a quirky ending at the end that there's literally a character that says, "We have got to be the weirdest ship in the fleet," um, <laughs> and so it's just a neat story and technically this could go under the multi-episode story because this is not the end of their relationship it's explored in other episodes but the fact that isaac cannot feel is something that i find a little bit hard to get past so as they start to explore the relationship a little bit more and it goes further it's not as good for me i actually prefer the start of the relationship than the progression of the relationship so that's why i singled out this episode and consider it uh number five Okay. That was a good episode. I enjoy yeah. Orville. I know it would probably go against what the Orville was shooting for, but at some point I almost wanted like a psychological analysis of why she is so drawn to someone who can't feel for her. Yeah. There's definitely a, a psychological element there that I think could be explored. And I know that's not what they were going for, but but it was, and that's one of the things I think that about the whole relationship that was intriguing was, you know, there has to be something in her character that has her drawn to someone who literally can't feel for her. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of interesting. But yeah. And even though she's the chief medical officer, she also has studies in psychiatry. So she doubles right. as the ship's counselor. And there are some episodes where she is kind of analyzing herself and getting opinions from friends. So it's not like she goes into this blindly right. uh, or, or rushes in. That's one of the problems with the next gen episode in theory is that character does go in kind of blindly. Like she, it's almost like she doesn't totally get that data can't feel and it makes her seem a little bit naive. But Claire is definitely not naive. But then, as you say, despite that, the relationship <laughs> keeps going. And so at some point you got to ask, okay, how is she not smarter than this? But All right. yeah. So, so I guess I'm up next. And so I am going with my number five is from the series dark matter. Yay! And it was a season finale. So I'm glad you kind of made me wait. I actually went with the season two episode 13 but first we save the galaxy dark matter is just a to me a, a great show exploring these characters exploring themselves as they you know if you're not familiar with the show they're they kind of wake up at the beginning of the first episode and they don't remember who they are and come to find out they're not necessarily good people but they end up being thrust into these hero roles and embracing that and deciding what, no matter what we were in the past, now we have a chance to kind of write our own story and we don't have to be the bad guys. And this was a, a great season finale. They're on the space station with all these famous, you know, all these big people. And, and there's a, a whole war getting ready, you know, to develop. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, it, it's, it's just a, a great culmination um, and I could have picked several other episodes, but this one just kind of stuck out at me as one I remember. And I was like, oh, that was actually really cool how that 
kind of wrapped up that season. Sadly, it's a big if, you do get, too. if you do get into Dark Matter, they they didn't get to finish yeah. everything that they started. So when it ends, you're kind of like, what the crap? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because earlier when we did the time travel category, I mentioned the episode All the Time in the World, which is the yeah. time loop episode, and how at the end of the time loop episode, they actually go forward in the future. And some of the things that are explained to them in this fu- this flash forward are the things that would have happened in season four and five if we had gotten them. So, Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a good episode. I don't remember every detail of it, but yeah, that was good. It was kind of interesting to see. I think they're on a space station or something. Uh, lots of different factions involved. Uh, ends on a major cliffhanger. Yep. Uh, Leaves you kind of mad at one character, too. I'm going to <laughs> yeah, there, a, I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but it was a great cliffhanger because you almost really don't know coming back the next season – who all made it, who didn't yeah. make it, what, yeah. what's going to. And if so, how? <laughs> yeah. So, um, great episode. Great episode. So, yeah, but moving on, on to number four. Yeah. So, number four is the Batman the Animated Series classic Heart of Ice. It is the story of Mr. Freeze, his trials, his tribulations, everything he does in the name of Nora. Excellent episode. Blew my mind as a kid. Still holds up today. Yeah, I, I can't recommend it any higher. Okay, yeah. So that's the one you talked about earlier. But yeah, you, you've got me curious. I might have to watch that episode again because I have only the vaguest memories of it. But I, I think even as a kid, I probably thought the same thing you did, that it, it's really well done. It's awesome. I, I recommend everyone watch that episode. So I'm next. My number four is from Firefly season one, the only season, episode one, although not episode one in, in air order. And that is <laughs> Serenity. Ooh. This was the original two hour pilot. That was back when Fox executives were messing with shows. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know where their decision was coming from. But for some reason, they didn't like this as a a beginning to this show. So they asked Joss Whedon to write a new pilot, which became train job, which is a one hour pilot and it's good, but it's not as good as serenity. And then the weird thing is that after the show got canceled, then they aired serenity as their last aired episode, even though it was the beginning of the story, it's almost like it was a prequel, but this is the original pilot. It is just amazing how well it tells the origin stories of these characters. Maybe not the, like very, very origin story, but kind of like it, it's early enough in, in things. It, they, there are a couple characters that are kind of new to the ship. A few characters are kind of uh, already established to the ship. Uh, it's virtually a perfect script. It has great comic timing, great action, uh, and just such great character development in just one episode, granted a double, double length episode, but still it's like at the end of this episode, you know what this show is about and you want to see more, uh, just, uh, amazing, really well done. I think it's really deserving of the number four spot. Very cool. Very cool. You know, I love me some firefly. Um, so my number four, I went with, a um, the, the reboot, the revitalized Lost in Space. Oh, okay. Another season finale. Um, this was the the season one, episode 10, Danger Will Robinson. Just 
a fantastic reboot of a series the they they did a great job just with this story the the season one felt very much like the traditional they're on a planet they have to figure out how to survive they're trying to get there uh but then in you know the the final episode of that season they have to get off the planet and they have to do it fast and there's a lot of just action and, and suspense and still has some treachery going on and still trying to figure out everybody's motivations. So I thought it was a, a great first season and a great way to end the first season. If you haven't watched that, go watch all of the, the Lost in Space. Is that Netflix original, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That's a great show. Yeah. Um, so that's that was my number four. Yeah, that show has great problem-solving storytelling. It's got a great family dynamic. I love how when the story expands, you get a lot of a very expansive cast because of all the colonists that are involved. Uh, I think the one thing that might get a little bit convoluted is the robot subplot uh, because there's so much time in between seasons. I kind of lost track of how many robots are there, which ones have names, which ones are good, which ones are evil. I... I got a little bit lost there, but I did love the characters. And, and uh, I think the only reason I didn't pick something from that show is that I just didn't remember which episodes were, which I kind of enjoyed it along the way, but then after it was over, I kind of forgot about it. So, uh, but yeah, that, so that sounds like a, a good episode. All right. So Preston back to you for number three, number three in my top five is the one, the only Kolchak, the night stalker, the devil's platform. Oh, I think you told me about this one before. Yeah. So this is the one where Kolchak discovers that the candidate for Senator in Illinois that he's following has sold his soul to the devil. Surely we, we all could not relate to that feeling like, uh, one of our, uh, senators has sold their soul to the devil without even trying that hard. I can think of at least eight senators who have sold their soul to the devil. Give me a few minutes to research, and I could probably come up with at least eight more. Don't even get me started on the House of Representatives. It's like the devil's little playground in that joint. Or, you know, state senator, or any politician. I mean, they're all upstanding people these days, right? Right? (laughs) But no, this is a tremendous episode of Kolchak the Night Stalker. It is... One of the ones that, like, me as a kid watching it and seeing, like, Kolchak turns down his deal with the devil. And I was like, yay, he did it. Woo! And um, so, yeah, that that was really big for me. It, it's it's a really well-written episode. Uh, I think Todd said Tom Skerritt guest stars as the senator. And, oh, yeah. Um, he, he, he does a great job. It's a great Kolchak episode. Kolchak the Night Stalker. Everyone should watch it. Independent news service. I-N-S. <laughs> okay, yeah, you've got me intrigued with that one. Some of, the, some of these shows that you like, I'm not sure they're quite my thing. But when you describe your favorite episode from them, I'm like, okay, Maybe I could try at least that episode as kind of like a gateway into them. Just see, just see, you know, I totally understand if you got to turn the channel, cut the lights on and, and, you know, you know, grab, grab your teddy bear. It's fine. Just see, just see how you're doing. 
So if if I were to try that show, is it is it such that if I were to start with that one, like even if it's a middle episode, it would be okay, or do or do you have to start with the beginning with Kolchak? I mean, it's a it's a '70s show, so there, there's not really overarching plot. Yeah, so you can jump in and out. You can jump in and out. Okay, all right, that sounds good. So my number three is also from Firefly. It's episode eight, Out of Gas. This episode has a very basic premise. Basically, there's a technical problem on the ship. A piece breaks, it causes a fire. They let the fire out, but it also lets out some of the air. And that piece that broke, they need it really badly. The ship can't function and somebody gets injured along the way and they're basically in trouble. And so Out of Gas, they're not literally out of gas, but it kind of implies that they have they're broken down basically but what makes this episode so amazing is the way it is edited kind of out of sequence to where you see little flash forwards into the problems that they're having but then you go back to the beginning of the day when they're actually really happy and then you have flashbacks further back to where you actually do get the origin stories of some of these characters and how they first came to be on the crew and how Mal first found the ship and everything. And there are lots of emotional moments. And when you combine all that creative editing, the emotional moments that how well this basic premise goes a step further, I've, I've described it a few times on this podcast as being more than just an episode. It's a work of art. This is truly a great episode of TV, and uh, and I really recommend it to everybody. In fact, this might be the type of episode where if you're not sure where to start with Firefly, maybe start with this one. There again, this is the best episode of Firefly, so it's downhill from there. But still, if you need something that's going to blow you away, it's this one. Yeah. So you kind of stole my thunder because your number three is my number one. So mm. <laughs> mm. Um, Holy crap. I, okay. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with you. My uh, Fireflies Out of Gas episode is just so beautifully edited, so put together. If you just watch that episode, even without having watched the other episodes, you're still going to get so invested in this survival and what's going on. You're going to be wrapped up in, in, in it and, and feeling your own heartbeat go with the 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 motions of this the, the show it just catches your whole rhythm and it yeah. sets it for you it, it is it to me it is very it is a work of art um if it's not one that's reviewed in tv making school please it needs to be because if we had more episodes like that i think you know tv would be a whole lot better so i can't agree more that's that's actually my number one so I'm, I'm I'm go ahead and proudly say that, but yeah, my number one, I'm I'm anxious to see what Todd has is two and one because uh, he's got better than that. Well, I wish uh, he would have stopped me because we could have put in stasis like we did in episode 100. Yeah, that's okay. I'm okay. <laughs> it's not gonna steal my thunder, but I will go ahead and give you my number three from Stranger Things, season one, episode seven, strangely titled "The Bathtub." I mean, I, I was already kind of interested and enjoyed the story of Stranger Things, but this was the episode where I was just invested. I mean, from that point on, I had to know what these kids were doing, how they were going to survive, everything that was going on. Uh, kind of strangely entitled The Bathtub, because this is the one, for those who have watched the series, where they're having to help Eleven kind of get into this meditative state. 
and they they have to use a big bathtub um, type situation to or, or pool to help her get into the meditated state. I think they're in the middle of the gym at the, at the high school um, and oh, end yeah. up fighting fighting some of the monsters that come through. And she kind of learned some of her powers and, and things like that. So this was, yeah, there's about three seasons or three episodes right there at the end of season one. I think it was like six, seven and eight that were just phenomenal and, and really, you know, captured me. And I've enjoyed it ever since. But I have to say, I felt like that that monster, the first one, that first season monster was one of the coolest. And I, and I just like the way it was handled. So. It, it's it was that was the highlight for me okay it feels like forever ago so i, I oh it really kinda, does yeah i, I kind of remember a little bit of what you're saying but not all of it but uh uh yeah I, I enjoyed that first season in some sense then uh i'm not quite as big on the show as you are but um but i just have to take your word for it that was a great episode because like i said i just don't remember all of it all right uh, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the controversial stranger things opinion i feel like the seasons have just gotten better oh no really? I, I think there are some good moments i mean that final see uh, finale of the last season kind of with the rocking out and and some of the stuff was was masterfully done uh but to me i feel like it's still building you know as good as it is it was built off of that first season and some of the lore that was built in there so um, i mean no, no that that's fair but i, I think well, okay. In terms of just how how well they're able to structure and how you know they're not relying so much on nostalgic moments they've picked out from other movies. Oh yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, you know, and I feel like definitely nowadays, like the last season was very well done. It, it was them finally standing on their own. You know, yeah, there there was. There, there was the Freddy Krueger connection, and all that. But to me, the 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 series is slowly becoming its own thing. It's not just mired down in the nostalgia of '80s pop culture as much anymore as it was the first two seasons. To me, I send all your hate mail to Todd. <laughs> <laughs> you can just send it to discerninggeeks at gmail dot com. <laughs> And we'll yes. be glad to have it. Yes, but yeah, no, I, I, I do think the first season was solid. I, I don't think um, there was anything really terrible. I, I just wish they didn't use as many callbacks to famous '80s movies as they did. All right, uh, moving yeah. on to number two. Yes, moving on to number two. So, so if you've been listening from the beginning of the show, you already know what this is. But again. I have to reiterate, Game of Thrones was the end of appointment television. Game of Thrones was the end of the television model as I grew up with it. It was the last show that we, as a society, willingly made appointment television. And for that show, season six, episode 10, The Winds of Winter, was the best finale and best episode of what was the biggest show on planet earth they almost should have stopped there <laughs> I mean, yeah. almost right? <laughs> yeah and dave i think you missed it because preston already mentioned this one earlier 
so, so that's why he's kind of given the short version now, but you know, for all the gripe that we may give game of Thrones, I, I have to admit that yes, along the way, it had some really huge moments. It was also really cool. Cause you, me and Dave got together to, to, to watch every Sunday. Oh yeah. Uh, so it was, yeah. It, so president's right. That was appointment television. And I wasn't sure exactly what episode he was talking about, but the more he described it, the more I was like, oh, wait, that was an amazing episode. Because then he described the final moment, which had to do with a certain Navy, and it really got our hopes up for what season seven was going to be like. And, of course, we're going mm-hmm. down later. But still, yeah, I I would have to agree that was, for what it set up, even if it didn't deliver later on, that was that was a pretty epic episode. Oh, no, there were there were tons of just epic and I, and I would say very mentionable worthy episodes. You know, the Battle of the Blackwater and, and, and several of the other episodes were just, they were just phenomenal. The, the speculation that went on afterwards, just, hey, what's to come? Do you, you know, who's going to die? Who's going to survive? Uh, it was the water cooler, like you said, appointment television that, that we almost don't get anymore because now so much, so much is let out in batches. You don't have that. Oh, here's an episode. Now I get a week to talk about it and, and worry about it and, and, and debate it. And, th- and so there's a little bit of a, a loss, I think with that, but um, I would definitely agree. Game of Thrones had some, some phenomenal episodes and it, it hurts me because the ending kind of was such mm-hmm. a letdown. Yeah. If it wasn't for that, I would probably go back and watch a lot of the episodes. But it just, they, they really, they hurt my heart. Yeah. <laughs> they let me down yeah. in such a profound way that I was kind of like, oh. It, it makes it hard to want to go back and, and relive the, the good, kind of knowing what's to come. So, no, I'm with you. I think that's a great, great choice. Yeah, because like along the way, one of the things we look forward to so much were two major characters getting together. And when they finally got together, it was it was just like, oh, thank goodness. I think that was actually our reaction. It was just like a sigh of relief. Oh, thank goodness they're finally together. If we were to rewatch it, I think it would be frustrating the number of episodes it takes to finally get to them being together. And then there's a frustration of knowing, okay, now we know what this character does later. Ah, that's that's right. not good. And we know that this character, as cool as this character is, they don't really do a whole lot later. And it's like, uh, it, it would just be a, a letdown before and after. So yeah, it's, it's kind of similar to lost Battlestar Galactic, a few other shows that I enjoyed along the way. I've just had to let them go after, after their finales. So moving on to my number two, I picked Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 5, Episode 25, The Inner Light. Sometimes I feel like it's my favorite episode, and sometimes I feel like maybe there might be a couple others that might be more favorite, but if so, they're over in the multi-episode storyline category. But this still might be the best episode, at least the best single episode. It's the one where... The Enterprise encounters some type of probe. It sends out some kind of beam, interacts with Picard, knocks him out, and he starts to see himself as a different person on this planet. And people are calling him a different name. Uh, They recognize him, but he doesn't recognize them. He, of course, tries to get home, but after a while, he kind of gives up and just realizes, hey, I can't help it. This is my life now. And it turns out that this probe is interacting with him to give him an insight into this race that actually 
is no longer there. And, and it's trying to inform him what they're like. But what happens is he lives an entire lifetime within a matter of about, I think, 20, 25 minutes. Uh, he has a wife. He has kids, grandkids. And Picard is somebody who usually is an in, very in tune with children. Yet he has kids of his own, grandchildren of his own, and he seems to be good at it and seems to enjoy it. And so we get to see this other side of Picard, This, and he still delves into science so he still hangs on to some of his past life but he also has his future life and it's just so amazing and then we get this ending where he gets snapped back into his real life on the enterprise but there are remnants left over like him knowing how to play this certain flute uh from this planet all the memories of his family and stuff and it's just an amazing episode and i talked earlier about stargate universe that kind of makeshift series finale about how elegant it was i would say if nothing else this might be star trek the next generation's most elegant episode Mm. all right so are you guys familiar with this one i'm trying to remember and i as much star trek next generation i've as i've seen i i'm I'm blanking on this episode, so I may have to go back and and watch it sometime because I just it's not coming to the forefront, so it's not one I remember offhand. So, okay. all right, I, and I'm woefully unaware of it myself. I, I need I need to improve my Star Trek knowledge, as it were. Yeah, you and Andrew both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm. I'm one of those guys that sits on the the Star Wars side of the field, and I, I'm just now starting to come over and check out Star Trek and see what's going on. There's there's still room for both. I know. Uh, so, Dave, you're number two. My number two, and I mentioned this series in my in the one of the earlier topics, and that was this one comes from Fringe. Season two, which was phenomenal season of Fringe. From season one's good. Season two gets even better. And I was very torn. I've got quite a few in this this season that I like, but I'm gonna go with White Tulip. Okay. I don't, I don't know if you remember this episode. It was it was actually a very strange kind of episode, which a lot of Fringe is. Of course, there's a strange phenomenon incident. I think it was on a train that left a whole train car passengers dead. Doing their exploration, they find that it is all based on this scientist who has discovered kind of a little bit of time travel. So this was the time travel episode of Fringe. We get a little bit of Walter Bishop. Walter is just an awesome character. And a little bit of his backstory. And, of course, he's very science-driven. He's not very religious. At one point, this other guy meets Walter, and they're talking, and basically it comes to, you know, well, what would make you believe? Walter says something along the lines of receiving a white tulip. Through the time travel and and all the, the plot, he ends up getting a letter and opening it up, and it's a white tulip. And it was just a... A, a very uniquely done episode with the the traveling and and how all the characters and and how this impacted him kind of moving forward he he kind of got his wish but in a in a way that he didn't know it because of the other things that were going on and and it was just a great episode i mean there were a lot of other ones so go watch all of fringe 
I said it before. Just <laughs> go ahead and binge watch it. Start with season one and go through all of them. And, and you'll be pleasantly surprised, I think. It, it was very high quality and, and some great stories. So that was one of my favorites out of, out of season two. Do you remember okay. that one? Not really. When you mentioned train and time travel, I had like maybe the slightest Vegas memory, uh, like a really vague vision, but uh, I, I can't remember the plot of it. it it's been forever. And like I said, I, I'm not sure I saw every episode of season one. I'm also not sure I saw every episode of season two. I might not have become an avid viewer until season three or late season two or something. It, it was really when they got into the alternate dimensions that I, I really became hooked. Well, so, I will say, go back and watch it because one of the pleasing surprises that I found watching it again, I felt like it was like, oh, it takes them like two or three seasons to really get into the alternate universe, but they kick it off pretty early. I mean, even by the end of season one, you're in alternate world territory and okay. and they're playing with that plot and you can see it start to develop. So it doesn't take long at all before you get into the 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 alternate world. Um, one of my favorite episodes that was also on my list was actually, I think it was season one, episode 20. And the title of that episode is there's more than more than one of everything. And it was basically alluding to this alternate world and, and they begin to really see already at the end of season one into the other alternate world. So yeah, yeah. it gets there fast and, and then it's just even better from there on out. So, okay. Oh, time for the drum roll. <laughs> yeah. So and number, number one, ones, Preston, you're up. So if you were paying attention earlier, I kind of oh, gave this right. one away and I kind of did the whole bit, but just in case, my number one is from what I think is the wellspring upon which all television sprouts forth from. It is Rod Serling's masterpiece, The Twilight Zone, episode 65, The Obsolete Man. Very cool. I gave an explanation earlier on in the episode, and I read what, the final words of Mr. Serling on that episode and I, I feel like I, I said everything I could the television is supposed to be able to give you the highs and the lows of the human existence in a bite-sized form that you can enjoy every night and I swear the Twilight Zone delivers even if you don't think the obsolete man is the best episode of the Twilight Zone I'm sure you can find one that speaks to you. To serve man. (laughs) (laughs) With or without butter. (laughs) For those that don't know, another great Twilight Zone episode. (laughs) That's one of the few that I remember from the early, like, early, early Twilight Zone. I, I remember that episode very vividly. And, uh, but I, was, I, that one, uh, two, two is pretty awesome. Um, you, you have all of these just great, uh, and him, him, 
Yeah. I think I think that was the name of that one. The, there, there's one where Rod dissects the um, insanity that was Nazi Germany and explains how if we aren't careful, it can happen here. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. These are all lessons that I feel like we need to take with us. I like them. I like them. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. My number one, probably not a big surprise. It does come from Babylon 5. It is season three, episode 20, and The Rock Cried Out, No Hiding Place. This is my third favorite episode of Babylon 5. So, obviously, by getting number one spot here, it means that my number one and number two picks are over in the multi-episode category that we'll do later. So, this is an episode, I'm trying to think how to explain the plot, because it has a lot of setup. But this is another Jakar and Londo heavy episode. Londo has has been gaining a lot of power, but he's also been working with someone named Lord Rifa. But Lord Rifa is getting a little bit too power hungry and also starting wars on way too many fronts. So Londo feels like he has to rein him in. But in addition to that, Londo mistakenly thinks that Rifa has done something terrible to somebody that Londo cares about. So Londo is out for revenge and he's he feels like Lord Reef is a threat. He's trying to take him out. He needs Jakar's help to lure Rifa to the Narn homeworld. He gets him there. They go down into the tunnels and Rifa is confronted by a group of, of Narns. And kind of, they are there to kind of enact justice. And I won't go into any more detail than that because it, it's kind of a spoiler. But what is amazing about this episode is at the same time that all this is going on, on the station, some religious leaders are visiting the station. It's a Baptist minister, a Buddhist monk, and a Jewish rabbi. And they are kind of acting like spies in a way uh, because there's stuff going on back home with the Clark presidency. Uh, and they're trying to help out the resistance by bringing information to Babylon 5. Now, the rabbi and, and the monk, they kind of leave after a while, but the Baptist minister stays on board. He wants to have a religious ceremony. Uh, he invites humans and aliens alike, and he has this uh, sermon. And then at the end of the sermon, a woman gets up and starts singing this song, and the rock cried out, no hiding place. And some of the lyrics are about how somebody went to the rock and they cried out, but they couldn't find a hiding place. And at the same time, this gospel song is playing on the station and everybody is singing along, humans and aliens alike. It's intercut with these scenes of these Narns having their revenge on Lord Rifa on their homeworld. And that by itself is amazing enough. But also at this point in the storyline, Jakar himself has become a little bit more enlightened. He's become more religious. He's starting to uh, become a writer. And so even though he has set up this moment for his fellow Nars to have their, their revenge, he himself is too enlightened to partake. So as this you know, physical act is, is, is taking place, Jakar just quietly walks out. And as he walks out on top of everything else, they distort the music that is playing back on Babylon 5. And so you get this kind of nice artistic moment of him just kind of quietly walking away. The music distorts. And Dave, you knew me in high school and college, and you knew how obsessed I was with Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. This was the moment, and this was the episode that made me realize, holy crap, Babylon 5 is better than Star Trek. And to this day, <laughs> Babylon 5 remains my favorite series of all time because of that moment in that 
episode. I just finally realized Star Trek wouldn't do that. Uh, they wouldn't have a religious ceremony. They wouldn't have this distorted music. They wouldn't have uh, this brutal scene while at the same time highlighting a character who won't partake in the brutal brutality. Star- well, maybe Star Trek D Space Nine would do that. But still, it went places that my previous favorite shows wouldn't go. And that's when Babylon 5 took over. And on top of everything else, there's this neat little coincidence. The gospel singer that gets up to seeing the, the title of, of the episode and the rock crowd, No Hiding Place, it's played by an actress and singer named Marva Hicks. And, you know, Marva is a pretty rare name. And even when you do hear the word Marva, it's pretty rare. But if you do, it's usually usually an African-American name. And and sure enough, this is a a black woman who's up uh, singing the song. So there aren't many white white women named Marva, except for a character in the Star Wars series, Andor, the adoptive mother of Andor is named Marva. And I kind of, kind of did a double take when I, when I realized her name was Marva because the only other person I know of personally named Marva is the woman who gave birth to me <laughs> <laughs> on top of everything else. The woman who sings the song during the favorite moment of my, uh, one of my favorite episodes of my favorite show has the same name as my mom. So, oh, man. Yeah, so a lot, of, a lot of neat little coincidences that go on with Babylon 5 behind the scenes, and that's one that applies to me. Cool, cool. And I gave mine already. Yeah, the the Firefly episode, Out of Gas, is is my number one a phenomenal episode. But all Firefly is worth watching, and, and it's one season, guys. I mean, you're not losing a whole lot of time, but it's definitely worth going and watching all of that. And Babylon 5 as well. So check out our yeah. podcast, and we're going to get – We'll go get back to recording. We'll go get some episodes out there for you. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, we covered a lot of good episodes. And, Dave, you weren't wrong. I was thinking we could go pretty quickly through these. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. Not, too. Not. <laughs> I, I was looking at the clock and I thought we might be close to two hours. No, we're over two hours. So, this will, I, I was thinking we might be able to split this up into two episodes. We might have to split it up into two episodes. And I'm not sure what the best break point is. So, folks, I apologize. Uh, I guess right now you're listening to part two. That's confirmed. I apologize if there was not a great break point between episodes one and two. There was a You suck! But we just, we we had to do it somehow. So yeah, uh, Dave, thank you for joining us, even if it was oh, late. Yeah. So, so you did uh, get in your, your top five. I did, uh, yeah. So uh, thank you both for joining me for this. It feels so good. <laughs> this episode about TV and to just talk about these great episodes and, yeah. and I, I really feel good about my picks but I also feel like some of your picks were really intriguing and so who knows I might be giving more shows a try at least with these particular episodes as kind of gateways into uh, new shows is there anything you guys want to say before we sign off well as always we want to hear from our listeners you guys have favorite shows favorite episodes things that we haven't talked about things that we should mention here and you can let us know by emailing us at discerninggeeks at gmail.com on twitter at discerning geeks and on facebook the discerning geeks portal podcast and interact with us there you know post some things let us know yours maybe we'll try to post our our list and have you guys interact with them online love to have some more input from you guys yeah we appreciate you listening 
I think we still need to f- step through another portal and figure Ooh, yes, out another so. topic. Oh, yeah, because we have not rolled in a while, and we could probably use uh, a, a few new topics. All right, somebody have D100 ready? All right, I'm ready to go. Okay, go ahead. 33. Oh, okay. This is one of Andrew's. Ooh. So my might, might need to get him yeah. <laughs> uh, if we're, we're going to do this one. But it's Ghostbusters. Oh. Woo! <laughs> uh, it's been forever since I've seen this. Uh, I think I've, I'm one of those oddballs who has probably seen Ghostbusters 2 more than Ghostbusters 1. Oh, Todd, I could literally quote you the entire movie front to back. <laughs> you really I have no fear. I am here. Yes. Are you a spook, specter, or ghost? <laughs> Do you hear bumps in the night? <laughs> there, there's one question that you must answer, though, Todd. Okay. Is Elvis alive and how is he doing? <laughs> okay. So is that another movie reference? Yeah, that, that's from the movie. Okay. All right. Like I said, it's been forever. Uh, now, here's the thing. The last time I redid the numbers, uh, this was in the rent category. Uh, we might have to rent it, and hopefully it's available somewhere. It's um, Ghostbusters. It, it's, a, it's, it's there somewhere out there. Let, let me check and make sure that even if we have to pay for it, that we can still stream it somewhere. Or else I mean, we, we can always it. re-roll. Yes, it is available to rent on Apple TV, Amazon, etc. It's just it's not streaming free anywhere. Ah, uh, boo! Yeah, uh, so we can we can still get it somehow. I just want to make sure. No, I mean it, it's on my NAS. So. I was gonna say I think I already own it. So. <laughs> I may own the new Afterlife because I really enjoyed it as well. I need to see that. I need to. It was good. Just break down and do it. Oh yeah, I've heard it's like this big nostalgia thing, but I, I just I just never got around to it because I was like, well, I'll see it in the theater eventually, and then it was like, oh no, wait, movies only out of theaters for like two weeks now. Sorry. So so Todd, I'm I'm just kind of curious because you mentioned okay. you've seen two more than one. Are are you more of a fan of two? Not necessarily. Uh, you remember how we talked before about the olden days of the comedy, the cable comedy channels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think one was called the Comedy Channel, the other was called Ha, and they just show clips all the time. Right. They showed a lot of clips of Ghostbusters 2. And so I'm not uh, sure I've actually sat down and watched Ghostbusters 2 from beginning to end, except maybe once or twice, but I've seen clips of it over and over and over again. So that's why I feel like I've seen it more than Ghostbusters 1. Okay. I got you. I got you. I was just curious because, I mean, 2 was okay, but it's of the th- three that I count. Because that one thing I won't even talk mm-hmm. about the yeah. the abomination. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we can talk about it. Yes, we can. <laughs> um, but of the three that I'll talk about, it was yeah, two is probably my least favorite. You know, one was really good. Afterlife was really really good, and and two was good, but it to me it's my least favorite. I mean, it's Struggle the same movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like we need to, uh, or or at least I need to kind of d- defend this whenever the topic comes up. The the bad Ghostbusters movie that you're talking about, the the remake, 
it's not because it had female characters. That's not what made it bad. It's because the material they were given to work with <laughs> that made the movie bad. You could do no, this no, movie with, with four female characters and it could still be good. It just wasn't. Yeah, there was it, nothing it, it good was about a team that. Of Olympians <laughs> that were given, you know, terrible tools. The the CGI was bad. The the script was bad. The plot had no focus. It, it was entirely the fault of the filmmakers, and not the fault of the cast. It very much felt like they felt they the, the makers of the movie thought if we have just a couple of like throw homage to the original, people will be okay. But that was the only good in the whole movie. You have like three or four moments where it's like, oh, there's a bust of Peter Vinkman. But that's it. That's the whole, that was the highlight of the movie. And you're going, okay, that really sucks when that's all you have. There's nothing else good in the whole movie. There's a lot to be said for the fact that it's just like, okay, the dropping off and picking up, right? So one of the scenes of Ghostbusters, um, cops show up with uh, Rick Moranis' character. And they and Janine answers his door and she says, dropping off or picking up. And the cop says, dropping off. That's the joke. Right. The go the, the police show up so much with these weirdos that think that they've seen a ghost or think they're possessed by a ghost. The it's routine, right? All of the jokes in the 2016 Ghostbusters is just like everything, all at once, all the time. Just keep yeah. it going. Just joke, 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 joke. Nothing's ordinary, nothing is mundane, nothing is routine, so nothing stands out, right? Yeah. And most of them weren't even funny. Which no. <laughs> was really, like, made it hard to watch. But we were way off topic and we've gone yeah. very long, so yeah. Yeah. we will have a whole episode to talk about Ghostbusters. And I, I hope that he was meaning that ghost. The, I guess we should get clarification. If I've got to review that abomination... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Listen, listen. (laughs) If we have to do the 2016 Ghostbusters, I will not be reviewing the 2016 (laughs) Ghostbusters. But a a friend of mine that I know, uh, his name is Harry Plinkett. Yeah, yeah, Harry Plinkett. He'll he'll review the 2016 Ghostbusters. Did he already? Yes, he did. Okay. You should watch that if you haven't. I, I might have already. I just, uh, I'm not sure I remember. Uh, it's it's but, great. But yeah, Dave's right. We are running long. I, I, I knew we might run long. I didn't think we'd run this long and we probably should uh, wrap things up. So everybody, thank you for joining us. Continue to enjoy whatever makes you a discerning geek. Salutations. Have a great evening. May the force be with you. Always. And forever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>